Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, voiced my hammer. Yo, Jungs, voiced my hammer. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Mannix. How are you, Simon? I am doing fine, mate. Doing fine. Uh, so where is your hammer? I, I don't know. I lost it in the last two weeks of insanity. I, I don't even think it was my hammer. I was probably borrowing it from someone. So <laughs> like all the tools that I own. Hallucinatory hammer. My brother-in-law who's been helping us do the refurb and laying floors and painting stuff before he left on Friday night said, look after my tools. I really like my tools. And it sounded a bit like a threat. I'm worried in case any of it goes missing on my watch. Did he give you a, a similar message on your wedding day about his sister? Or was... <laughs> no, no. In fact, on my wedding day, he was talking about the tools as well. So, I mean, maybe maybe he's got tools on the mind. I mean, they're very nice. A very nice selection of different power tools that I've had access to that I certainly should not be allowed to use. That's the clear lesson of the last few weeks. So you've had a crash course in Makita. I guess is that is that his brand of choice or no no it's very it's very Bosch based a lot of, a lot of Black and Decker broke a Black and Decker drill that we killed it it was its last last foray into the world of DIY <laughs> well I mean congratulations on that and on the tongue twister <laughs> broke a Black and Decker for <laughs> yeah I'm just full of I'm full of beans because I've uh, just come from the new house and I was oiling the floor with inflammable oil and frankly that's a terrifying concept <laughs> just things you don't expect you'll ever have to do do you get satisfaction out of diy yeah but i've not really done much what you've just done in the last couple of weeks i've done nothing like that i've put up some shelves i've built some furniture i have my own power tools now but i wouldn't call myself a diyist what about you do you garner mad props from this my brothers are really handy you know they're really good at fixing things and building cupboards out of spare parts and, and just doing stuff about the house and it's always seemed to me as a quite a manly pastime mm -hmm. diy right so i've always felt like i should like it or that at some point in the future i might and i thought over the last two weeks there'd be a moment where i'd think oh i, I really like this this is really good i'm getting like no i haven't I, I find it just annoying and fiddly and there was a point where my brother-in-law was explaining why straight lines aren't really straight as we were laying the floor and there was like a centimeter difference between one part of the wall and another part of the wall and it kind of broke my brain like the physics <laughs> of it like i don't understand what a straight line is anymore and just none of it i felt i'm happy it's done i'm happy it's over with the majority of it but i don't think i've derived a single bit of pure <laughs> satisfaction from it i just find it really i'm really happy that i got to spend time with some like really burly Irish men as they showed me how to do stuff i should probably know by now but other than that, like the actual process is just, ugh, yeah, not for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's, it is one of those sorts of areas of skill where you, you're definitely aware as a modern man um, that you might be lacking in these things because, yeah, DIY is, is a very masculine thing. If you get it wrong, it's a memorial to how crap you are at a task that I think is inherently manly mm -hmm. so it's like a sh it's like shame got house shame i don't need that on my conscience so yeah luckily i had people helping me luckily i had three <laughs> very supportive german gentlemen who were helping me do you feel like you've at least gained like respect from 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 your family no. <laughs> your father-in-law <laughs> no i mean maybe maybe i don't know no probably probably not particularly there was a bit where we were having dinner on friday night we took everyone out who'd help and I was speaking to my brother-in-law's father-in-law who'd helped us a lot and I said to him we did so well with this last floor we did it so quickly with the last floor took an hour and a half to do we, we worked really well together and I was like oh we could probably start a company like making a joke and he turned to me and just went me and your brother-in-law can start a company you can carry this <laughs> you can carry everything and I was like well at least it's a job you know I found my my, my level you know water finds its level I found mine which is carry carry heavy things that's that's pretty much Make tea or coffee or bottles of water. I mean, those are noble causes, <laughs> and without them, life would be much harder. So yeah, as I say, level found. Maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> Maybe in a few years, I'll think that DIY is great. But currently, not so much. In this week's episode, we wanted to start off as we often do with a celebration of a significant German. 
Unfortunately, this has to also serve as an in-memoriam, as Gerd Müller, legend of German football, has passed age 75. When there is talk of outstanding strikers in Germany, there is no avoiding Gerd Müller. The former Bayern striker has innumerable records, still forming the benchmark for goal-scoring excellence today. Today the world of FC Bayern stands still, said club president Herbert Heiner. The news of Gerd Müller's death affects us all deeply. He is one of the greatest legends in the history of FC Bayern. His achievements are unmatched to this day and will forever be part of the great history of FC Bayern and all of German football, said the CEO Oliver Kahn, and promised Gerd will be in our hearts forever. In England... When there is talk of the best striker ever, there are a few positions that could be held. Shearer, of course. Yeah, yeah, certainly Shearer for me, definitely. When I wrote these notes, I was pretty confident that you would back Shearer as the best striker ever uh, in the, in England in the Premier League. And sure, he's the Premier League top goal scorer. That is the end of the argument, I guess, if you want to have Shearer. But of course, the Premier League's quite new really so we could also say maybe Greaves Jimmy Greaves mm -hmm. 44 goals in 57 games for England 220 goals for Tottenham absolute legend yeah totally probably the closest we have to Gerd Müller in English football I think for just the regularity of scoring style of play but I mean that's not the end of the conversation at all I mean you could say then Lineker he won the golden boot at the World Cup of course that's massive he played for Barcelona uh, as well as being an England legend and a true fox in the box <laughs> for modern England fans Rooney is even a part of the conversation I think when we think of what he did for the club and what he did for English football. Yeah, I, I always find Rooney was a, a very decorated at club level, at international level. He never really achieved what you expected of him, which is harsh. Mm. It's probably harsh on him. Uh, he was a fantastic striker, especially in his in his prime, in his mid-20s. He was unplayable, and I'd still pick Shearer over, <laughs> over Rooney. Of course, of course you would. Yeah. Of course you would. But I think Rooney as well, out of all the ones we've mentioned so far, was probably the most versatile. Like He was also a midfielder towards the end of his career. He wasn't really a striker in the same sense as Shearer or Lineker. Mm. Michael Owen, you can make an argument for Michael Owen. I know that you're. I sour. wouldn't make an argument for Michael <laughs> Owen, but you can. I'll just sit quietly. I mean, he was, he was one of the best strikers that England's produced, I'd say. Very good at taking money from Newcastle United. That's what okay, he is. Yeah, we'll Very move good. on because I'm, I've, I've given you Shearer. I can't just let you bask in the warmth of Jordy goodness. I mean, Harry Kane is on his way. Yeah, totally. Potentially to be the greatest ever mm -hmm. like, the mm -hmm. numbers look good so yeah if he stays in England stays in the Premier League hopefully stays at Tottenham he's the only one that has a shout uh, of beating Shearer so this is the complexity but in Germany it's a far simpler conversation it's Gerd Müller that's it I think even if you're talking about all those strikers that we've mentioned and Gerd Müller it's still Gerd yeah, Müller yeah it is even Shearer even Sh as much as I love Shearer Gerd Müller is still the barometer for yeah. strikers centre forwards definitely the numbers and stats kind of don't really even do it justice either as mad as they are so it's 563 goals 563 in 605 games for Bayern totally insane I mean to be a professional footballer and play 600 plus games for your club is already one percenter material but to then score pretty much a goal a game mm -hmm. <laughs> over that entire period that's sorry that's just for Bayern as well it's just for one team that he scored all those goals and for over a decade he scored at least 20 league goals a season for 10 years he did that at least he averaged a goal a game or better in seven of his 14 seasons and he scored 68 goals in 62 games for Germany bettering a goal a game on the international stage is unheard of he held the record for the most goals scored in the calendar year 85 goals in 1972 that has now been surpassed 40 years later in 2012 by the now Parisian uh, Lionel Messi he's a baller of the highest order is, is Gerd Müller he loved an international goal didn't he mm -hmm. like his international goals tally was it it was 10 goals in the 1970 World Cup yeah like just ten, like it's, just, it's crazy it's crazy goals when you think about it yeah Lineker won the golden boot with six uh, that's yeah. normally how many you would need uh, in the World Cup mm -hmm. to get Golden Boot. Yeah, so 10 is really overdoing it. A <laughs> couple of appearances, a couple of goals. <laughs> that seems to be sort of how it worked. Get him on, at least he'll get two in a few games, you know. Yeah, what a ledge. And yeah, he he did this for such a long time uh, for, for club and country. It's also noteworthy that he could have scored even more goals for Germany as well uh, because Müller actually quit playing for West Germany after the 74 mm -hmm. World Cup following an argument with the uh, the German Football Association, the DFB, where at the post-tournament celebration, officials had their wives invited uh, and the players were not allowed 
to have their wives yeah. that caused the end of, of Gomola's Germany career or West Germany career he's a funny he's a funny player his, his story is quite interesting in that I'd, I'd listened to Jonathan Wilson talking on the the Guardian Football podcast and he was talking about how he had he was so adept at trapping balls and, and catching balls in midair and it was pa- partially be- well it, it was claimed it was because he had learned to play football on cobbled streets where you get a regular bounces of okay. a ball and that that he, he'd found that ability to do that but also that even when he turned up at Bayern the coach at the time called him uh, I think it was like D- Dicker Muller like Fat fat Muller and he was like he was a big guy and <laughs> apparently his, his thighs were bigger than the waists of some players he was a big guy but that meant he was very powerful and that his movement was hard for defenders to counter a counter against because he, he could just move you out the way basically and obviously we're talking about a period of football <laughs> where it was a lot more physical than than it is today, yeah. and he, yeah, I mean, calling him the bomber might refer to his goals, but it could just refer to the fact he was a brute, you know. Like a, <laughs> after he after he retired, it was he very quickly started to sort of lose his way, and mm. he, he fell into alcoholism, and and Bayern eventually interceded, and I think there's a there's a there's a Gascoigne element, the mercurial player, yeah, um, troubled player, you know. And it's interesting that Bayern put an arm around him, got him scouting, got him involved in the game again. He had his birthday, I think, was it a celebration, his birthday last year that they were celebrating and he wasn't able to attend. And yeah, yeah it's, it's it's sad. It's certainly sad, but also what a career. What a career. What a life. You know? Yeah, I mean, as a player, just incredible. Statistically, incredible. And there's really no other way to say it that he is one of the main reasons that Bayern is the club it is today. So yeah, I mean he's he's really one of the most important footballers ever. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's it's really it's it's very, very sad. I mean the press in Germany is full of of really emotive and, and very personal stories because mm-hmm. obviously Bayern aren't loved uh, by the majority of football fans in Germany, but Gerd Müller was the one player that didn't matter who you supported, he was your favourite Bayern player. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So here's to you, Bomber, a legend of the sport. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah. We are back, good listeners. Gone, at least for the foreseeable future, are repeats. It's all new, baby. <laughs> Nick has now earned his laying floor badge, which I hear allows him to apply for German citizenship platinum. Uh, so, Hesek and Glyphunch. Well done, mate. I wonder what I get for the platinum citizenship. Uh, does that mean I'm now the Chancellor of Germany? I've got some decisions to make. I think you get one of those fold-out rulers with your name on it. <laughs> Who says I haven't already got one? <laughs> I know they're available. <laughs> so, well done, mate. And I'm glad to have you back. Focus on the show and not on the frivolities of having a place to call home. So, we've had a little chat about it, but how has it been? It's been it's been a wild few weeks. Everything just feels like a whirlwind at the moment. There's the house. We're moving. We haven't moved yet, so we're moving on, on Saturday. That's pretty wild because moving is just horrendous, no matter how many people or how well you've planned it there's always just the process of taking all the things you own and transporting them to another location is for me it's just an ordeal uh, and then there's the unpacking and all of that jazz but it's just been a lot of stuff to do and it was nice to be able to fit in even if it was just a short conversation in between and obviously we saw each other last weekend <laughs> yeah yeah i couldn't remember it feels like a month ago yeah, yeah it was last weekend yeah and that was that was a real like bright spark in the whole in the whole affair because i think i needed i needed something that wasn't just graft which felt mm-hmm. like for every day i think it was after the first week it felt you'll recognize this when you you went back to rugby practice after the summer and you had your first practice mm-hmm. and you couldn't move because yeah. you just totally wrecked yeah. that's how i felt after the first week i just felt like i'd had the heaviest workout and i was packing i was packing myself with calories and haribo and cakes and all of these things and i was just sweating it out i was like weighing myself going like how have i lost weight i ate like a tub of haribo yesterday <laughs> so it's just been it's been full on but we've joking before about how I, I don't seem to get any buzz out of doing diy i think it's it's satisfying in the sense that you know you're doing something that's that's long lasting but at mm-hmm. the same time, 
it's not fun i don't find it fun <laughs> at all but not to repeat what we've already said but yeah but laying floors is difficult laying floors is it's very knee heavy you know you spend a lot of time crawling about, looking at edges and going, like, is that lined up correctly? And then the worst bit is when you do it wrong and then then like you have to take it apart again. You're like, oh, God. Like, you're pulling bits away and then having to do that. And it was okay on the days when it wasn't really hot, but when it was really hot, mm. you were just sort of sweating bullets everywhere. And it was just a bit, it was a bit full on. The brakes were nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's delve into that a bit more because I think that is an interesting thing. Here. <laughs> Two of the things that you you spoke about through this period were Spetsy, which we need to have a little chat <laughs> yeah. about, and just the whole culture of handwerker, like clothing uh, and language. So let's start with Spetsy. <laughs> Easy enough, Spetsy is Spitzer. Yeah, it's the best. It is honestly. I don't know. I remember when I had Mezzo mix for the first time and I thought this is like the best thing I've ever tasted. And obviously Mezzo mix and Spetsy are similar mm. recipes, but they're not the same. Like Spetsy is Spetsy's way better than the Mezzo mix. Maybe because <laughs> it's more local perhaps, but Oh is it? Uh, I'm not even sure. I'm a Mezzo mix guy. Like that's how I started on, so. I mean, if you gave me a Mezzo mix I wouldn't cry, but I think Mezzo mix is a bit more carbonated. So it's got a bit more CO2 than, than Spetsy, but I was just laying <laughs> laying that stuff out like no problem. Just It was like just the only thing that was keeping us going was like knocking Spetsy's. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a good drink. It's so refreshing. Do you know when you drink soft drinks? Like I found this recently. I stopped drinking soft drinks for a very long time and I don't drink Coke because it gives me like severe heartburn. It just feels like I'm drinking pure sugar. I always feel like a bit rancid afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like when you eat a Big Mac, and you're like, uh, I feel a bit, I feel a bit gross. Spetsy doesn't do that. Spetsy <laughs> makes me feel happy. You know, I don't feel gross afterwards. I feel like, yeah, I've done the right thing. Yeah, I've made the right decision. So that was the first thing I learned is that I could, I could go <laughs> through a crate of that stuff without any problems at all. But the the handworker culture is an interesting one because th- you have the uniform, mm. which I think I mentioned on Twitter. The the coveralls or the overalls that you get, and it's funny like. I turned up I turned up at an Obi just in in like jeans covered in paint. And already I was getting more respect <laughs> from the people who worked in the shop. Ah, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Like there was I went to the recycling half and and they specifically asked if I was had building materials and I was like, Yeah, that's a good sign. <laughs> they think they think I'm a builder. But the the handworker clothing is it's it's funny because I don't think there's anything really like it in Britain. You you would see someone wearing old clothes, probably like an old pair of jeans or something. But here you can identify someone who's a brickie or someone who who, do, who works with their hands because they all seem to wear those those coveralls. I mean, you know? in the UK, you'd, you'd have the boiler suit. Yeah. Which yeah. is quite a helpful bit of kit because you can put it on over whatever you're wearing. So if you are, I don't know, an accountant who's having to visit the site for the day, you can turn up in your suit, put on a boiler suit over it, and not have to get changed hard hat exactly and then you can suddenly look <laughs> the part, yeah in the industry itself uh, of bricklayers and electricians and those kinds of positions there is no consensus it seems on what is appropriate attire it could be an apron it could be i mean they're not going to turn up in jeans well m- maybe a few sparkies might a few electricians if they're a friend maybe the, i didn't realize there's a color coding that I mm. don't understand. The only thing I do know is if it's got orange, it's because you work in the woods. That's yeah, the only exactly. thing that I realized, right? The first uh, orange. I think white is for painters. Right. These overalls, these dungarees, these work mm. trousers, they all have little splashes of color to indicate rank, Yeah. Uh, it seems, uh, from from an external position like the power of your purple. I had purple ones, and I was asking my brother-in-law why why purple, and he said, oh, it's because he used to work for a company that delivered furniture, and they had purple. So I'm not sure if it's something okay. connected with that. But the other indicator is something you've just mentioned before, which is no one has tape measures. There are no tape measures. I didn't see a tape measure <laughs> f- for the entire two weeks we were working on the house. Everyone has a, a foldy ruler, like wooden ruler that yeah, folds two meter, and ruler. it just folds out, and it's great. Um, and this is the thing I didn't realize when it comes to corners or when it comes to edging when you're doing floors. Mm-hmm. It's great because you can just click it into place, and you get the measure of, of of one side and the other, and it's really really useful. 
obviously it's useful it's it's germany right it's one of those things that fits nicely <laughs> into that stereotype of efficiency and functionality but yeah it's the the rule is a funny one i just hadn't comprehended it until i was in in the midst of it i i find them a little bit stressful for hanging uh pictures because it's very hard to get a straight line on them on the horizontal because they do have mm-hmm. eight joints along yeah. the way I, I'm not, I don't want to be critical because it is a good solution but yeah i don't think it's great when you have to draw a straight line because it's quite ribbled and yeah it's just not it's not perfect for certain things but measuring little bits of wood yeah doing sort of flaws it was it was ace it was exactly what we wanted excellent so yeah as, as a hot tip for our english get listeners. a foldy out ruler you idiots <laughs> get a foldy uh, yeah. ruler they sell them at obi with your name on <laughs> and if you really want to level up your germanness at the same time learn how to open a bottle of beer with one of them that's another bit of the culture i learned about six new ways mm. to open a bottle of beer that i didn't know before <laughs> one of which was just a, i was sitting at the table and i was like oh i don't have a, a bottle opener and one of the guys just took the bottle and a knife off the table and just went and i was like how i don't even understand how you've done that like wait what's the friction point there you know like how we've done that or my brother-in-law was opening uh, that's the expert level for me is opening one bottle with another bottle mm-hmm. and then my father-in-law was laughing and said why didn't you open it with your teeth and i was like hmm yeah i think my dentist might have issues with that <laughs> i'm kind of scared i might take a couple of teeth with me as i'm doing it i think this is indicative of german culture no one suggested just using a bottle opener everyone else has these plan b c d e and f ready to go i used the edge of a of a crate and the guys that looked at me like i'd it was a cardinal sin that i hadn't used some kind of weird implement to do it and i was like well it's the most obvious thing to do you know is to hit the top of it but it's a man-made material nick why yeah why am i not natural products why am i not just staring at it and the cap just pops off on its own accord uh there was there was a lot of testosterone (laughs) in points in the last two weeks there was a lot of it's very manly unless queen came on in which case everyone was singing with really high-pitched voices so that was quite entertaining everyone doing false yeah yeah trying to be freddy exactly (laughs) exactly no one wants to be and everyone's getting the words wrong so it was it's a bonding bonding moment yeah, it's something I think that you realise more and more as you spend time with, with German family and loved ones. They don't know the lyrics to a lot of big songs. <laughs> they're really confident. Yeah, they're really confident. You're like, that's not a word. That's nope, that's not no, okay. I'm not gonna correct you because you're helping me. But and it was by the end it was it was funny, like they were like taking the piss because there were people coming in the room going, like, you missed a bit when I'm painting stuff and I was like, Oh yeah and then I looked and like, Oh no, I had missed a bit, you weren't taking the piss. <laughs> like you were actually being helpful. Uh so yeah. It's and it was a bit I think I'd send a message to my brother showing him the floor and we're having dinner on Friday and the joke that they sent back was you missed a bit obviously that I hadn't and I said that to my brother-in-law and I was like oh we, they said we missed a bit and he's like which bit and I said like, oh no it's a joke and he's like no but which bit and I was like no it's a we haven't it's fine and it was like there was a lot of those little disconnects happening all the time where like my stupid jokes were just like laying flat on the floor dead uh, as, as everyone just bypassed my crappy jokes what are you going to do what are you going to do cross-cultural communication eh? crash course two-week intensive <laughs> yeah exactly I don't feel like my German has improved but I feel like I could I got a handle on Byron well, I mean, a lot it's, better. It's a pretty he- hefty entry fee to buy a house to get that course. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend it to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Byrish is really not worth that much money. <laughs> I'm gonna get letters. <laughs> you are now a homeowner and you, you are you've bought this place and this is your your first owned property in Germany. Has there been a difference? Do you do you feel different? Have there been any challenges with that? Well, obviously it's expensive to buy somewhere, but it's equally more expensive every time you get a letter from your local council or your statrat. there's like a new ta- a new tax it's like it just seems like it was an endless letters of people going oh you now owe us this much money so that's a bit of a pain in the ass there's a lot of like stealth taxing it feels like going on when you buy a house there seems to be a lot of land taxes and things like that that you didn't really factor in in the beginning I think the only difference is the obvious logical difference of if something's broken or you're not happy with something you can just fix it and that that became yep. very clear minutes into working on the house. The, the one of my favourite parts of the last two weeks was there was a little sort of knee, not knee high, like thigh high wall that separated two of the rooms that I knew mm-hmm. we had to get rid of, and I was sort of looking at it, going, oh, 
And I said to my father-in-law, I was like, how, how are we going to knock down this wall? And he turned around and he was like, like this. And he pulled out this like pneumatic drill and just started knocking the wall in. And I was like, oh my God, we can just do this. <laughs> and, it's like, and I was like, can I hit it with a sledgehammer? And he's like, it's your house. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so like there was like that freedom of like, oh, I can just do that. I don't have to wait or I don't have to complain about the landlord not fixing something. So there's that kind of freedom. But at the same time, mm. like I mentioned, there's the freedom to fuck it up as well, which is not, that's my biggest worry when it comes to doing any DIY is that I do it wrong and then I have to live mm. with it. There's edges in that house that I did that I'm looking at now and I can just see them at, from across the room and I'm like, that edge isn't right. Oh, yeah. So, so right, I'm going to put, I'm going to put a TV in front of it so I'll not see it. <laughs> TVs in every corner. But it's really common. And the people, the people who had the house before us were had rented for, I think like 20 years or something. They'd rented for a really long time. Yeah. So, it's possible it's not even necessarily required that you should buy buy somewhere because renting is still a big option but what you realize very quickly is as cities in germany grow the and we've talked about property and we've talked about house prices living so close to munich and munich is just constantly growing mm. that people are coming to to augsburg to live and it just increases the house prices because what you earn in munich yeah. is different from what you're going to earn in augsburg and so you just have this situation where the knock-on impact is house prices are constantly increasing and that's that's mm. something that i just think is like how feasible is it going to be like it felt like in britain the conversation's always like i'm going to add value to the house or i'm going to flip this house by doing some simple stuff in Germany, I think you just buy a house and wait 20 minutes and you could probably make about 50 grand. That's what it feels like. You don't <laughs> even need to do anything. The house prices naturally increase. In the south, it certainly seems that way. I think property prices are a bit more a bit more sensible uh, the further north you go, really. But yeah, down here, it's, it's really expensive. Yeah, yeah we, we had some friends over the other day and they built 10 years ago in a village with no services, like no schools, no butchers, nothing in the village, just houses. And the value of their land has gone up 500% in 10 years the asking price for land is so so expensive now and that is a big part of the, the German uh, building economy is yeah people building houses I think grand design has ruined the way that British people think about building a house <laughs> yeah like it's so normal like you talk to people and like, I'm building a house it's, and I, yeah. at first when I first heard that when I first came here I was like whoa like, you must be loaded and to a certain extent you do have to have a fair whack yeah. of cash to build a house but you realize that a lot of people do that. A lot of people in secure jobs, big companies, and there's a lot of big companies around us. There's, yeah. there's the automotive industry, there's industrial concerns, there's loads of different large companies you could get a job for life in, basically, that would be very well paid if you're, say, an engineer or some kind of mm. technical um, expert, IT expert. So building a house is not like in Britain where if you said, I'll build a house, you'd just be like, oh, you're like a millionaire. Yeah. You could afford to. Yeah. But I think the, 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 the sort of flip side of that is a lot of people, and I've seen this a lot recently, is there'll be people who've, family have bought and built a house 50 years ago and they've still got a bit of land and then they they sell that bit of land to one of their children they don't build houses they build flats they become like money-making machines and i kind of that makes me wonder a little bit about it i get it if i like you've got a big garden and your children buy a bit of the garden and they build their own house and there's like a community thing and i get that but then like, i'm just going to build some flats so we can make a bit of money on the side i find mm. i find that I just don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. It's not something that I particularly like the idea of. During the pandemic, I had this ridiculous assumption that supply, the law of supply and demand actually was in use when it came to housing. And I was like, well, house mm -hmm. prices will probably drop because people just aren't going to be buying houses. Oh, no, they went up. They went up. And apparently housing in Bavaria, at least, is 10% more expensive than it should be. And I think estate agents have made made out quite well, I think, during the pandemic. Like, it's a bit crap that because all banking systems and financial systems are tied to house um, house prices, that house prices will never go down. They will never fluctuate. Mm. And so you just end up with a constant increase for no real reason. Like, it doesn't matter if your house is shit or it's, like, really old or you've done fuck all to it for the last 20 years. It's still going to be... As, as valuable as the house next door that someone has built an extension on you know it yeah. doesn't matter and i think that's the thing that kind of gets is is it is how do people actually afford that if they're starting out in their careers i think it's quite it's quite difficult you know well i mean i think obviously it's a little bit different here because most people when they get their first real job 
after graduating university here, they don't have 20 grand of debt, uh, which the average British person would have having attended university. So I think even though that buying isn't as significant here, I think a lot of Germans are perfectly fine with renting. Uh, there isn't that status attached to being a homeowner that you sort of get in the UK. It's a big thing in Britain. I, I own my home and, and you see people, I'll see people on Facebook, typical photo of, of a couple and they've got like keys. Oh, we've bought our first house. And it's mm-hmm. a really big moment in people's lives. It's a border point between in, in, to adulthood or whatever mm. that I think a lot of people feel like they have to, you have to buy a house. Whereas in Germany, it doesn't always feel like you, you have to buy you can actually just rent and that's okay too. I don't know that there's any particular status. I guess I'll find out. I'm I'm sort of worried and concerned that I'm going to end up in one of those situations where you're having friends over and people start talking about house prices and I'll have to go into the basement and hide because I don't want to, I just don't want to be in that discussion. Oh, I've heard this area is way more valuable, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's not, you, you hear those conversations a lot with British groups and their sort of, mid 30s 40s where they're talking about the fluctuations in the market and all of this stuff and i'm just i don't care i really don't care like it's just not of <laughs> particular interest it's only interested to me is the social side of it should it be like that but the, you could don't you don't have those conversations in britain you don't, if you were like should, but should it be like this you probably get your, your head bitten off because most people are like yeah. well i want to make value out of my home oh, who knows i'll probably change my mind and become one of those like house owning bellends Again, that's for you to check. Jack Wolfskin, BMW, talking about house prices, you get to kick me in the nuts or at least punch me in the face. That's one of the three options. Yeah, I mean, if you try and have a, a genuine conversation with me when we're together about house prices, <laughs> like, your beer will be on you, mate. No, I'm not, I'm not standing oh, it's for good. That. It's good to have checks and balances, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Premier League, fantasy football, uh, push. <laughs> Obscure punk bands. Uh, yeah, there we go. A bit of electro beer, not property. <laughs> so, we finally reached August. To be honest, I'm a little surprised. I mean, on current form, we should have repulsed an alien invasion in July with Will Smith heading the resistance. I at least expected a kindly old English gentleman to invite myself and a ragtag group to a mysterious island inhabited by slightly annoyed dinosaurs. Hollywood has done a really poor job of preparing me for the realities of the 21st century. <laughs> no matter. With the arrival of August, Germany, or more accurately Bavaria, has packed its bucket, spade and hand grenade and buggered off on holiday. Sadly for many Germans, their holiday may be an anticlimax, with large numbers of Britons opting for a staycation this year. Resorts around Europe may well have a dearth of vibrantly tattooed lobster red Brits, gamely attempting to eat a piping hot full English breakfast in the mid-afternoon sun, while simultaneously washing it down with tea and a Jager bomb. I, for one, will miss them. Tea and a Jager bomb. Yeah, I mean, it's a good combination, right? Sure, that's an imaginative writing device. That isn't what people actually do, is it? Oh, come on. Do you, do you honestly believe there isn't people in a in a resort in Benidorm oh, right. knacking yeah, a cup of, of tea and then doing a Jaeger bomb straight afterwards? You know it, brother. You know <sighs> it. Hooray for England, eh? Uh- <laughs> like, it, it makes me sad and homesick. <laughs> like the nostalgia of a cup of tea and the, the latent alcoholism that's part of our own culture you know yeah <laughs> the concept of the staycation is a new one in germany germans are predisposed to leave their country at the first hint of summer speeding towards italy spain or eastern europe increasingly many germans have opted out of the traditional exodus and are staying within their own borders for those who decide to remain there are numerous holiday options as we spoke about in an episode last month bavaria is one of the most popular destinations for domestic tourists with its mountains, cheap beer, and rather ludicrous castles. Even more popular than the south of Germany is the north. Mecklenburg-Vorpommern sees large numbers of domestic tourists all year round. On the state's coastline of the Baltic Sea are many holiday resorts and much unspoiled nature, including the islands of Rügen, Usedom, and others, as well as the Mecklenburg Lake District, three of Germany's 14 national parks, as well as several hundred nature conservations are in the state. Yeah, it's a good place to go, right? <laughs> if you want to take a holiday, come to Germany. 
16 different holiday destinations all in one. This has always <laughs> been a source of bemusement for me. It's rare that people would choose to travel north on, on a summer vacation rather than to the warmer climes of the south. When questioned on this point, Germans will stop what they are doing and a strange look will come over them, almost as if someone accidentally pressed the factory reset. Through glazed eyes, they will stare into the distance and utter two words, Das Meer, the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... This this cry of the sea. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I understand this. I feel it in my bones. Yeah. But I mean, it's also I found it to be quite a, a confusing thing because the German word for lake is sea, and so when when I first arrived here, people were like, oh yeah, we're going to sea, and I was like, oh, we're going to the, we can go to the sea here. Wow, and it's like look on the map, and it's like oh. 450 kilometers to the ocean <laughs> no i'm not going to the sea i'm going to a lake it's just a, qu- a, a quarry they filled in you know and they poured a load of water into but i'm um, bavarians love a lake they have a lot of them and they're all they're all stunning from what I, the ones i've experienced yeah. at least it is a real treat and it's not something i mean obviously you have the lake district in the uk but these aren't really swimming lakes uh, so it's not mm. something that i think most british people think of going to a lake for their beach day because no matter where mm. you are from in england or scotland you are two hours from the ocean yeah exactly <laughs> go to a beach it, it, you see a lot of the sort of beachy activities happen next to lakes certainly in the south yeah. but the excitement that comes over people when they tell you about going to the baltic or the ostsea we're going to the ostsea and they all get this sort of really fuzzy feeling i'm sure i don't know if it's just my prejudice but i think baltic sea and ostsea both sound really <laughs> horrible sound really great just, the names don't sound <gasps> they nice. sound cold I don't think, yeah. ooh, but Ostsee, ooh. Yeah, obviously in, in the UK, we've got the North Sea, which doesn't really sound that great either. And the Channel, no. I've been to the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> I know I know. when we were in Croatia, it was the bluest sea I'd ever seen. And I was very much enticed into swimming in it, but I've never been enticed mm. by the North Sea. Every time I go to Tidemouth near Newcastle and I look at the sea, I'm not like, want to swim in that i want to have an ice cream and stand and look at it but i don't want to swim in it yeah it's, it's great for hypothermia not so good for <laughs> exactly hey dear so having lived on an island and a literal stone's throw away from the coast as i mentioned yes a lot of our beaches are stones in fact the sea was the easiest and cheapest holiday choice for my family i have experienced every possible iteration of a beach holiday in britain save for the infamous banana boat trip which I'm saving for my 80th birthday. I've eaten sand-filled sandwiches, boogie-boarded, ridden the senile donkey, been exposed to Punch and Judy, and their off-colour views on domestic abuse, and sausage storage, and I've even built a near-award-winning sandcastle. I think every British person has these experiences and it is something that unifies us all. But I, I am concerned that some of our listeners will have no idea what Punch and Judy is. There is a there is an equivalent, I think, in Germany of Punch and Judy. Is it Schlagenstiller? <laughs> Punch and Silence. There is like a... It exists, I think, is a, in, in a form of some kind, a Caspula. If you showed, looked at a picture of a Caspula, you'd think, yeah, that's that's definitely uh, Mr. Punch. And there is a crocodile involved, and they have all the same characters, so there is like a, a cross element. But Punch and Judy is a very it's a very Victorian yeah. concept. <laughs> Does it happen anymore? Does it still exist? I think you'd still see it. I think so. I, I'm pretty sure you'd still come across it if you went to Blackpool or something like that. The donkey thing's a bit weirder, right? Riding the donkey. It's one of those things you kind of feel is so normal because it's just so so standard uh, at any British seaside resort but preparing the notes I don't know if they do this in Germany are there donkey rides in the North Sea and the Off Sea I know there's there's a lot of questions about whether it's okay to ride a donkey because the, the treatment of donkeys is not always mm. what you would want it to be so I think there's there's a discussion about whether it's it's harming the animals when you do that I've certainly in the last two years seen something about the oldest donkey still doing donkey rides on a beach somewhere in in the uk so i know it still exists Mm. but whether it exists up north i guess we're gonna have to find out right i'm sure someone will tell us yeah anyone anyone listening if you do know if there are donkey rides available in the north sea do let us know 
because because we're gonna go <laughs> ride a donkey. <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> the first decades from home Nordsea edition will be recorded on donkeys <laughs> riding donkeys up and down a beach. What an idea! In my own humble opinion, beaches have lost their mystery. There is only so many times anyone can feign excitement during a game of Who Can See the Sea, which I used to play all the time. It was the worst. Like I think it was a distraction tool for me, for my parents and my uh, my three brothers. Just shut these kids up. Who can see the sea? And everyone's looking out the window invariably i'm looking out the wrong window so although i may be jaded my wife and her family would quite happily walk over my lifeless corpse to simply hear the crashing of waves this is of no surprise really considering that much of germany is landlocked and the closest people get is a disappointing lake and a plate of lukewarm pommers so i mean it seems that most germans are beach starved i know i am having been here for so long and as i said i'm literally (laughs) 450 kilometers away from the sea now i miss seafood yeah i know i know before anyone gets too upset you can get seafood anywhere uh, and seafood is available at my local supermarkets but what i miss is seafood that comes out of the sea that you can see when someone offers me calamari or calamari is on a menu in a restaurant i'm not going to eat it because i which sea did it come out of and how long ago did it come out of that sea I'm always suspicious of seafood mm. in Bavaria. I'm never convinced it's that fresh. So, no, I mean, the most common fish you're going to see is the uh, the very famous Karpfen, the carp, which is yeah a standard on any Nuremberger Land restaurant that's old school. But yeah, it's not. It's it's a freshwater fish. It's not the same. I want I want something with salt water running through it. I want I want a cod. Give me a cod. <laughs> Carbol yow bitter. <laughs> this terminal desire for the beach experience has led to a growth in Stadtstrands or city beaches that pop up around the country every summer. These man-made resorts often feature large amounts of imported sand, some type of water feature for paddling, cocktail bars, and row upon row of deck chairs. So yeah, we actually have one of these yeah. in our garden now. Yeah. We have built a mini, uh, well, it's not a Stadtstrand, it's a Dorfstrand, I guess. Yeah, we have a, a Nordsea beach basket a strand corb beautiful uh, as they call them and there is sand around it now and we've bought some sort of beach grasses so that when the wind blows it sounds like you're at the beach uh, there's no water feature yet have you got an inflatable palm tree don't tempt don't tempt her <laughs> <laughs> yeah when i was thinking about this this topic i i and I was doing a bit of research, I realised that even in Newcastle, which is a metro ride, 25 minutes ride to the beach, there's a Stadtstrand. There's like a beach they've laid out on the quayside. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's like we need more beaches for some reason. <laughs> but we have one in Augsburg. There's there's a couple, actually. Mm-hmm. There's two. There's one in the city centre and there's one bigger one that is uh, a bit further further away from the city centre. So we're inundated with fake beaches for me it's always just a weird thing because yeah. it's not something i would really want to spend my time pretending to be on a beach but this is this is the issue we face isn't it because i'm, I'm sure that your wife is similarly programmed to mine where when my wife sees one she's like oh how nice and i'm just like no it's fake <laughs> this, is, this is a lie it's a fabrication no. it's a lie. um yeah I, i'm very anti <laughs> sentiment <laughs> And have to work very hard to not vomit out <laughs> these emotions because it does feel like a scam. Look yeah. at the beach, you fucking liars! <laughs> Where are your pebbles? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's certain things that when I think about beach holidays, you've got to include, which is like sand in everything. Like all the food you eat mm. just is covered in sand. Pork pies and sausage rolls, that kind of thing. And drinking like a really well-mixed gin and tonic in the middle of a city that they've just poured sand onto just seems a little bit too nice i think it's too nice for me it's not shitty enough which is mostly what my beach experience is this is true it's not supposed to be perfect uh it's supposed to be a balancing act of dissatisfaction and perseverance and there's none of that in the sad strand the most interesting aspect of these inner city beach areas is the insight it gives you into the german perception of beach life most, if not all, are modelled after some imagined Caribbean paradise with palm trees and tiki bars. Unsurprisingly, organisers of the various Stadtstrands have decided to avoid using British beaches as a template, which I think is a real mistake. The British seaside resort could easily supply some much-needed inspiration and reality. So, what lessons can a person learn from UK beaches that they could apply to a Stadtstrand in Germany. Yeah, that life isn't perfect. <laughs> I think this is, I think it's a really important message. I can count on on, on both hands. It's been it's been a good innings, but on both hands, the amount of really good beach days I've had, and 
that's like 10 out of 300 oh yeah there have been so many just like bad beach days because of the weather or other people it's normally the weather um but yeah it's a uk day on the beach it's, it's bracing it's it's, <laughs> it's it's a challenge and you don't get that here i remember t- telling my wife about windburn and she thought i was making it up <laughs> right because i remember like it'd been a windy day and i got windburn because it was so windy it like burns you right like sunburn but it's windburn and she thought it was ridiculous until we went to a beach and she got windburn and she was like oh it wasn't even sunny and i was like yeah it's windburn it's what happens when you go next to the coast you just get it you know it just happens and I think there's like things like that that people don't appreciate enough. Also, as well, most people's beach experience is somewhere like in Italy or Croatia, which mm. are like beautiful. Like we went to a beach in Italy, and I was like turned on the idea of beaches because I was like, oh right, it doesn't have to be shitty. Like the yeah. cafe was nice, you know. Like oh, <laughs> it's all very very. The water was nice and lovely, and all of these things. But I think there's certain things that we could be we could be bringing over from the UK to help these people. But I mean, we're also kind of blessed because of this this trauma attached to the UK seaside. When you do finally go to Italy or Croatia or farther field mm. like Hawaii and South America, and you and you really go to a world class beach, then you appreciate it on a on a level oh, yeah, that yeah. a German can't because they've they've experienced high quality sand. They've had a well mixed margarita delivered to their chair. That just doesn't happen in Margate. <laughs> no, doesn't. it can't. Trying to find the suitable place to sit on a beach that's just purely pebbles, and there isn't yeah. anywhere, and everyone's pretending to have a good time, but actually it's shit, and everyone hates it. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the majority of British families have in their cellar, if they have a cellar, a wind guard yeah. that they take to the beach with them, yeah, like that's just a standard part of your beach equipment, exactly. something to protect you from the, the gale force wind. I mean, wind guards <laughs> aside, for instance, while sunning myself on a neatly maintained deck chair, I realise that a truly important feature of the beach is the wildlife, namely seagulls. Moving. <laughs> moving. Uh, moving. Without the occasional terror of a giant winged bastard dive bombing your bag of chips, the beach can actually be a little bit boring. Like, it's important, right? Horrible seagulls. I, I, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I am forever haunted by seagulls after a mating pair nested near my building and halls at uni. <laughs> Seagull sex is a decibel busting affair indeed it is loud so yeah that made me not miss the sea that much yeah. when we talk about seagulls there is also a part of uh, superstition attached to them as well and we've talked about this before yeah uh, have you ever been shat on by a seagull i have i've been shot on by a bird but not by a seagull i'd be terrified as well because you forget seagulls are fucking massive it is a big <laughs> so <sea> big bird. <laughs> yeah i don't want to yeah and this especially in very popular resorts they can be very aggressive when it comes mm-hmm. to like just taking your food off you no problem i i don't fuck with no seagulls if they want the food <laughs> they can have the food and i'm like yeah buddy it's all yours you know? yeah i mean they are they're an aggressive bird and you're not gonna win yeah maybe you get in a quick punch and, <laughs> and end the conflict but unless you're trained in that i wouldn't recommend it whatsoever if you punch a seagull you better hit it hard and fast the first time because you've <laughs> now you've got a guy. lifelong enemy in you anyway enough of fighting <laughs> seagulls or even seagull sex Simon. as there are no seagulls at most german city beaches the polite chatter and generic jazz house fusion soundtrack played by the designated tiki bar isn't correct for a day at the beach what's missing the sporadic pings pops and whiz bangs of the local arcade with fruit machines grabber machines and the cacophony of children begging their parents for one more go on daytona usa oh god daytona usa classic arcade experience and of course for german listeners the arcade is a massive part of going to a beach resort right it's so different i think as well because it doesn't matter what part of the the british coast you go to there is an arcade there yeah coming from a, a relatively frugal family i was all about penny pushers uh like 2 2p 10p if you're if you've really done well on the holiday yeah graphics be damned give me a tub of two pence pieces i'm golden pump it into that and i know my wife agrees first time i took her to brighton it, it was like a whole new level of addiction <laughs> had opened up in her life where all she wanted to do was put coins yeah, into these slots and win novelty toys and we do have we got a shark that lives in our bedroom called kai dahai uh, yeah he, he's come from brighton pier i, I don't think i've ever won I've never won on no. one of those machines. I've got more two p. No, I've never, never been lucky. You know my track record with gambling. 
doesn't work out, does it? No, ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, are arcades even a thing here? Like, obviously, gambling machines are definitely a thing here. They're everywhere, but a classic beach type arcade doesn't exist here. I haven't seen an arcade machine since I was in Britain. I don't think I've seen. There isn't even like like I know in America they have barcades, where there's an arcade in the bar, and it's a bar as well. Yeah. But, but nothing like that here at all. I guess Hamburg would, would probably be my shout for a place that's most likely to have a beercade. But yeah, missing a trick, Germany. Maybe that's what we need to do. The Decades from Home Arcade. <laughs> We're just full of the business ideas today, aren't we? Yeah, that's the way. It, how to lose How to lose your house. <laughs> Ten easy yeah, steps. I definitely would lose the house. Yeah, like I said, no betting for Nick. <laughs> Finally, the obvious missing element was the disappointing food. All I can see at these city beach events are gourmet wraps and burgers served on plates by people who have probably washed their hands at some point this week. Where the hell were the fish and chips? Or even a simple sausage and chips? Nowhere. That's where. My wife left me for a few minutes and came back with a steak sandwich, which had the audacity to taste good. The idyllic beach environment is frankly disgusting. Don't get me started on the non-existent sticks of rock. Again, I should... Yeah, we should probably explain the sticks of rock, right? Yeah, stick of rock, I think, is... is I don't know what, what that is in German, but crack on. Yeah, it's like a, it's a hard, hard sweet, isn't it? It's a kite, but it's like a stick, and usually it has the name of the place that you're in written all the way through it, right? It's all the way exactly. through. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're iconic. You get. I remember being in the Isle of Wight. One of the few good beach holidays was in the Isle of Wight. And it, I think the entire economy of some places was based on selling sticks of rock. Hopefully they're still going. Yeah, I mean, it's still a, very much a thing. It is, yeah, it's cheap to make. A solid bar of sugar, put <laughs> colour wrappering on it. And as you say, print the name on it and every coastal town in the UK sells them. So yeah, it's got to be supporting yeah. some family somewhere. Yeah, you hope so. I hope so. That's to be a reason behind it, surely. But the British beach experience is one of carefully choreographed disappointment. Like the cheap souvenirs and badly printed slogan t-shirts that can be found at any and all British beach resorts they are better enjoyed at a distance. That way, you're unlikely to dig up a long-forgotten deposit of cigarette butts as you attempt to build a sandcastle or have to fight off a pack of wild dogs because some fool threw a frisbee at you. <laughs> it's fucking true, that. Presenting an adulterated beach to those with no access to a real beach is dangerously misleading. <laughs> dangerously misleading. Love it. <laughs> I propose that in future... All Stadtstrands should be required by law to import psychotic avian death machines, rigged arcade machines, a disinterested teen selling fish and chips, and possibly a donkey. There are a few things that aren't improved by having a donkey after all. Then, and only then, will Germany truly understand what it is to be beside the seaside. All I hear is the music now. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Hello zusammen, that brings us to the end of the show. It's nice to be back. I hope you enjoyed our first full episode for a few weeks. It was really fun to get back behind a microphone. Very soon we'll be able to talk about some of the changes we're making to the podcast. We're both really excited to tell you all about it, but we still have to wait until my life has returned to a normal level of chaos. Thankfully, as I sit among boxes and empty shelves and roll after roll of bubble wrap, I know we're almost there. Wish me luck, listeners. I think I'm going to need it. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40% German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Okay. Uh, we're rolling. Let's do this. Welcome to. <clears throat> Let's try that again. It's been a it's been a while, right? That was a uh, booming well. Oh no, pff, too too harsh. 